Welcome to Transmissions from the Void, Transmission 138. Open your ears to the emptiness that you weren't even aware you were searching for. Listen. The Void is calling. Throw them in there? We feed them to them. Like by hand? Yeah. What? They like the juicy ones like these. Well, throw them closer to them. Throw some over here. snuck in there like he was featured talking about it on coast to coast am and oh, so okay. well, yeah when oh, okay go ahead i'll okay after you're done and so he he was fe and that was the first time i heard about it and so um this i i, I believe it was before george nori was the host so it was that like kind of middle time but after Art Bell, where this guy named Jason Siegel was the host, and I actually like Jason Siegel, I thought he was a good host, but he was, I mean, he's just like, okay, Alex, tell us about the Bohemian Grove and what's going on there, and Alex Jones, all of his red-faced madness is like, this is the place they make all the decisions where it all goes down, and I gotta find my way in there, and they're not gonna let me in, and I'm gonna have to fight it, and you know, and all that kind of stuff, and I'm like, the place where they make all the decisions, like this is, and this is the very, the end of the 90s, early 2000s, Conspiracies are still cool, um, and I'm like, okay, what is it? And so, what you know, looking at it in 2010, um, you know, when all that stuff was out on the internet, um, what did you find? And Wendy, what, what were you going to say, real quick? I, I was just going to mention that uh, because Scott had recently interviewed John Ronson, and he he also was talking about Bohemian Grove, so that was like recently what brought it to my attention, but also. 
Mike, I don't think you even know about this, but um, I had an experience one of the times I was out in San Francisco to visit my brother, and I met a random stranger <laughs> just chatting at a, a restaurant, and he claimed that he had a membership there, and uh, he had all kinds of things to say about it, but I basically invited the guy that I was dating at the time to go and join him there for one of their events. I was not welcome because apparently women but yeah, it's a he it's a he man woman haters club like the like the uh, Spanky and our gang or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah. So um, you, you mentioned you both mentioned uh, what's probably the two most famous pieces about the Bohemian Grove. So in the year two thousand, there was a double infiltration. Okay, uh, one party was Alex Jones. Uh, this is before he became internet famous, you know, so it's really when he's starting to become known a little bit, and he's still mainly, he has um, a website because he realized the potential of the internet pretty early on, but at the time, he was also mostly doing cable. There you go. Why would 
you know, you know, when I think about that, I think about what I've heard. But like, why would Alex Jones care and break in? Like, why would this be more? It's like, okay, rich people hang out all the time. Like, we've seen the Oscars, we've seen the after parties, and things like that. So then, why does this become sinister? So sinister to the point that someone like Richard McCaslin sees it and he says, I gotta burn this son of a bitch down. Yeah. Um, it's because that cremation of care ceremony in front of the owl, it sort of um, became a rumored thing, and as it got retold from person to person, uh, it became much more sinister than it actually is. So people start saying, hey, you know, maybe that isn't effigy that they're burning, maybe that's a real person. Uh, and then some some artwork where there's sort of a small skeleton on this painting of the cremation of care depiction. And they're like, hey, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't a person. Maybe this is a kid that they're sacrificing. Gosh. Well, the owl. And maybe the owl is Moloch. That's what it represents. And so they're performing this satanic, Luciferian mystery ritual where they're actually sacrificing and killing people. And then some of the more extreme conspiracies also say that they have like a secret sex dungeon inside of the Bohemian Grove, and that it's a place where. So you should be glad you didn't go, Wendy. <laughs> nice. I no women allowed. So right. So who knows what happened? Like, right. That secret sex dungeon. Um, so so this all of a sudden this goes right into this whole idea that the people in like the elites are not just rich and arrogant and conspiratorial, but the elites are actually um, satanic in nature. And that, you know, so it's, 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 they're evil. And so, you know, when these guys, when you think about, okay, anti-conspiracy and stuff like that, you also think about the 90s and stuff like when these conspiracies were developing, um, we're coming off the satanic panic and, you know, there were videos made that, like, law enforcement people saw and were watching and stuff that were saying that you never know when you're going to find satanic ritual abuse. And it could be doctors in your town. It could be priests in your town because there's a kind of an anti-Catholic bent to that, too, um, which obviously we found out with the priests that some of the, there was a cover-up going on, but it was more about, like, the sex dungeon stuff than it was about satanic ritual abuse. Um, yeah. And in the book, I talk about there's a priest straight through the line from, you know, things like the Satanic Panic and uh, uh, theories about the Bohemian Grove and some of the stuff that we've seen more recently, like Pizzagate and QAnon conspiracies, um, all kind of revolve around this secret cabal of Satanic, evil, powerful people um, that are abusing children and also controlling the world. Well, you know, and what I like about that, what I, I don't like about that, but what I think at least works for the through line um, is that save the children thing. Because what is going to motivate people more than this idea that children are being taken advantage of? So, you know, when, when Richard emails you in 2010, he doesn't see, I mean, he, he's like, I... I'm a guy that is a real-life superhero. Just I, I dress up in this character. I dream of saving people's lives. And he's the 
guy that's willing to... He, he's not just going to volunteer at the soup kitchen. He wants right. to go save these children's lives. And so then how do you go from getting an email from a dude who's like, I'm the guy that burned down Bohemian Grove, to I'm going to spend years of my life writing a book about the dude? Well, I didn't know uh, what was going to happen, but um, he sent me this email and he mentioned that he could send me a press pack if I was interested. Uh, I had a P.O. box at the time, so I really think that was a key factor, actually, because I didn't especially feel comfortable giving him my home address. But I said, yeah, I'll look at this press pack, you know, here's my P.O. box number. So, you know, a few days or a week later, um, I get this manila envelope, uh, which I opened, and there's a letter, a long letter from him. Uh, there was a copy of a hand-drawn comic that he did while he was in prison that was um, mostly autobiographical. And he sent me a couple of uh, legal documents, I think just because he wanted to prove. He thought that I wasn't going to think that it was really Richard McCaslin, or whatever. So he sent me these materials, and as soon as I was going through it, I was like, there's a story here. Um, I'm not quite sure what the story is, but there's something interesting going on. Uh, so I just, I kept in contact with him, you know? I would ask him some questions, and then he'd send me a letter uh, detailing his answers. Um, and eventually, you know, I met him the next year in 2001 for the first time. Um, and it was a story where I kind of worked on it, and then I would put it on the back burner while I was working on other stuff. And um, it just kind of went through this cycle of working on the story. Yeah, and then, you know, in 2015, we had the Trump candidacy. And I started seeing this, uh, another level to the story, you know, it wasn't going to be just about Richard, it was going to be about how conspiracy has evolved in our culture, um, and has become kind of mainstream. Uh, originally, Richard, you know, might be seen as a very fringe type of believer that's way out there, but uh, in this crazy time that we live in, um, I almost think he was maybe a zeitgeist of the times, or ahead of the curve or something.
We were on a hunt, now we're on a mission. Yeah. We have to find it. Black tin?
looking for a pig bucket in the shed looking for a pig bucket that's right goat we need a pig bucket where did we put the pig bucket where did we put it well I'm guessing any old bucket will do right One of the, do they need one of these? Yeah. Pick one of those up. Yeah. Alright. You want to hold the little thing? I'll hold the big thing. Alright. Found our pig bucket. I think that's what they wanted, right? in his is the cover of your book American Mag uh, Madness and this is his Phantom Patriot character that's a cool belt buckle yeah it's a sweet belt buckle it's Punisher-esque but with the, like the you know the American yes. stars or whatever for eyes yeah um, it's that skull costume which is I mean superhero wise that's you know Ghost Rider little terror in there um, and then obviously he's packing heat um so both hands, <laughs> right? He's ready. To, he's ready to get you. And so you know, he's got this character um, that you know is this saving the world type of guy. Um, and then, but he's already what a little over the top in that. Obsessed with comic books. Into you know, he wants to do something good. He serves in the Marines, right? And that. Mm -hmm. That yeah. works for a while, um, but then he gets out and is listless. Goes to Hollywood for a little while as a stuntman, uh, which I that I was super interested in that part. I'm like, oh, stuntman. That always seems like a cool life. Um, doesn't work out, but right? he gets some bit parts and things. Yeah, he was. He had a lot of trouble, you know. And this is where when he started telling me his story, I started to feel um, bad for him. Because, you know, he had these sort of dreams uh, that revolved around superheroes, you know. He, kind of, he wanted to be an action star. Uh, he wanted to be a stuntman. And I would say, you know, even though this it might sound kind of cheap to put it this way, uh, he had bad luck, you know. He was trying to fulfill these dreams, and he was having a lot of trouble getting any sort of traction. Um, and then he went through a rough period in his life uh, in the late 90s where 
both of his parents died. He was um, a single child. And he's having trouble making good friendships and finding a career path. And just um, nothing was really um, hitting for him. And, you know, I think that he was vulnerable because of this. And this is when uh, he started listening to Alex Jones. Addie in the pig bucket. Addie in the pig bucket. Here's another one. Or do they just need one? States because they never had his full white 
know, of mainstream acceptance that have, obviously, midnight and coast-to-coast -coast AM doesn't feel like the mainstream, but when you have two million listeners, it certainly is some kind of mainstream, right? Compared to, like, a website. Um, sure. And so, when I think about conspiracy theories, so what's the conspiracy theory that you guys feel is, um, what you kind of believe? Like, what's, well, like, what's your gateway conspiracy theory? Because when we talk about the levels of these things, you know, we talk, obviously, there's guys like Richard, are going to, I'm going to go burn down Bohemian Grove, I gotta go save the world, comparative to, um, other conspiracy, like, so what's one that you guys might feel is reasonable that you might kind of believe? T, what's, what's, let's start with, let's start with our guest today, T, which one, um, might you, uh, actually be like, okay, maybe? Well, I'll mention a couple, um, so, first, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction to my book, when I was a teen, I was way into UFO stuff, so I'm, I'm agreeing with you, uh, there, seem compelling and there at least was some sort of evidence of being presented. It, it didn't, wasn't pulled out of nowhere. Um, and you know, uh, the thing about conspiracy theories too is sometimes they're only conspiracy theories until they're proven. So, I get a lot of examples in my book about programs like the Ultra, which was a greenwashing program, and that turned out to not be a conspiracy. A true thing. So I think, you know, uh, especially with some of the exciting UFO news we've seen recently, I think, you know, um, there might be something to UFOs. Um, also, places like the Bohemian Grove, like I mentioned, um, those have some things being spread that aren't true, but there's a lot of, uh, the theory is true, you know? It is true that this group of powerful men meet in the redwood forests and they do a bizarre mystery ritual in front of an owl which is pretty crazy <laughs> to think yeah right but, like richard nixon like what's yeah. richard nixon doing like oh all right <laughs> owl's coming he's probably right. i mean he's drunk <laughs> so i mean the bohemian grove is true there's a place you know um there i don't think that they are sacrificing live children there but, uh, yeah, so I would say that, UFOs, um, and other conspiracies, like the JFK assassination, I've been interested in. I don't necessarily believe one theory or another, um, but I at least am interested in those theories because uh, there's some sort of thought process behind them. All right. All right. Wendy. What's a conspiracy? What's your gateway conspiracy theory? What's one that you're like, okay, I kind of, I'm gonna, buy, I might buy a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I, I have to sort of piggyback on T's UFO stuff just because there's there's so many unknowns and there's so many you know closed case files that we're aware of but we don't get to see. Um, so I could I could dip my toesies into that water, but. But if, if, if I could just talk about my favorite conspiracy theories, maybe? Sure. Like, anything involving Elvis or someone of his ilk, like, being still alive <laughs> and not actually dead. Yeah. We want classic. classic. I just love that. I love the, the concept that he's just living out life, you know, peacefully, like... The king couldn't handle it. The king could not <laughs> handle it. Retired. 
fishing right. every day. I don't know. Nobody wants to think that the king died in the pot either. Like the king around, like, know. you know, the Elvis. Um, well, so the one, Mike, you, Mike, the one that I, that is the, probably the most out of character for me is, um, Uh-oh. was actually brought up to me by my fourth grade teacher. So, uh, what Mrs. Mulata said one time, she just kind of goes off on this, like right before recess, this is before the noon, the long recess, we could have a whole game of kickball. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> she goes in and says, we're talking a little bit about Pearl Harbor, and she's like, well, you know, um, they knew about Pearl Harbor before it happened. Oh, and I'm like, what? You know, I'm 11 years old. And I, you know, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm... Your um, little mind got blown. <laughs> boom. You know, and I'm like, what's going on? And she goes in, and, she start, and she's like, okay. And so she's like, well, whoever wants to stay in a recess, we can talk about this. And so I stayed oh. in the whole recess. And then everybody, I, I oh, sacrificed kickball for hearing about this. And then, you know, we talk about Amelia Earhart and all, like the code, like the the code oh, breaking yeah. and stuff, like the reasons that they would have done it, like that they would have known about Pearl Harbor before it happened. But maybe they thought, okay, let's let a Japanese attack happen. They didn't realize that we'd get our ass kicked, like, you know, or, th- you know, 3,000 people would die. That the, the the Arizona would sink, all that stuff would happen. But they're like, okay, let's let this attack happen. So let's let's kickstart the war, because we're going to get in eventually. Let's let this precipitating moment happen. The idea that people in power are like this is what's going to happen anyway. This will be good for America. This will kick us out of the depression. This you know, and um, also it won't let the Japanese know that we cracked their code. And so if we can do that. Um, we're going in anyway, so we might as well get in and not ruin all the intelligence we've learned over the years and stuff. To me, that just seems reasonable. Now, is it true? I don't know that. Like, I'm not a John Birch Society. I do not have a tinfoil hat. Uh, we did have three tinfoil hats in the van yeah, for a while. we made, we made we some. We did make some tinfoil hats. Um, but uh, that, to me, is the one that I find, like, and that's like a tipping point because if you believe in Pearl Harbor, then you – then you could believe that 9-11 was an inside job. And if you believe that 9-11 is an inside job, then that's the same path Richard McCaslin went down. You haven't seen moves like these before. 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 Surprise! We renovated the guest room so you can live with us. Surprise! We renovated the guest room, so you can live in it. I don't think that space exists. Um, I don't think that space exists. Um, but tcruels.com is where you can find out more about me and my books. Fantastic. But tcruels.com is where you can find out more about me and my books. Fantastic. I don't think that space exists. Um. Flatline. Flatline. Flatline audio. Flatline audio.
138 flatline audio 138 138 